Good afternoon, everybody. Thank you for joining me for another episode of Fresh Brewed Kentucky Politics. As always, at the beginning here, I'm going to ask you to simply do one very, very simple task for me. If you could just hit the share button down there in the corner, go ahead and hit share, share it to multiple pages, share it everywhere, share it there, share it underwear. Whatever. Just share it out for me. Thank you guys so much. We got a lot to cover today. Um, we've got a couple couple things I want to talk about. Um, you know, I, I, I'm seeing an, an upcoming zuckening, a Facebook removal for some people coming based upon some stuff I'm seeing myself. Uh, we'll go over that in a second. Uh, we're going to talk about Baptist Health published an odd article about periods and their effect on your vaccine. I'm going to go over that with you. Um, something I didn't know about, but then again, I'm not a woman, so I may not know. Um, <laughs> may not have been paying attention. Uh, Kentucky Supreme Court's to hear an interesting case uh, where a jail sent a bill to a man found not guilty for the 14 months he was held in jail while his trial was going on until he was finally found um or they dropped the charges even. He wasn't even found not guilty. They just dropped the charges, and they sent him a bill for $4,000. And he's been going through court about that. So we'll talk about that. Uh, NAACP publishes findings that Fayette County Public Schools are racist. Racist. And, um, of course, here we've got uh, uh, um, News Herald running an article saying black mothers are scared for their children, obviously because of cops. And, you know, Derek Chauvin trial... Uh, we might touch on it. We might not. Depends on my mood. Um, but yeah, thanks guys so much for joining me. We're going to go through that. Go ahead and hit the share button for us. Come on down to the coffee shop, brood. Uh, get some coffee. It's great stuff. Keeps the tyranny away. One cup of brood a day keeps the tyranny away. Uh, also, you can check us out online, broodco.com, B-R-E-W-E-D-C-O.com. You can also go to shop.broodco.com, donate.broodco.com. Like I said, please hit the share button and let's get into it. We do have some speaking engagements coming up. I want to encourage you, come on out Friday at noon if you're in the Richmond area to the EKU campus at the, um, I guess, the case something or another it's called. I, I should have done better research going into this, but uh, uh, I remembered where I'm going to. But uh, it, there's an event we'd posted about it. Uh, we're doing a, a talk there about free speech. Ironically enough, EKU tried to cancel this event last Friday. I was supposed to speak. They came down. They said, no, 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 <laughs> no, no speaking engagement for you, sir. Um, and so after some discussion and a little, maybe a little bit of legal threatening, uh, we are able to get that event going and it'll be Friday at noon. So if you're an EKU student, Richmond, Kentucky, please come to that. Also June 5th and uh, sixth or fourth and fifth, fifth and sixth, uh, is the rogue food conference in, um, that I'll be speaking at, uh, that is in, um, um, Lewisburg, Tennessee. Sorry. It's the fourth and fifth, June 4th and 5th, Lewisburg, Tennessee. Uh, I'll be sharing the stage with Thomas Massey among many, many others. And I hope you join us. So let's get into today's news one more time guys please hit the share button for me so um i woke up this morning to a facebook strike actually <laughs> i had a facebook strike this morning that said uh i was i was given a facebook strike because i shared um 
I shared the the I, I'd shared a post yesterday where you know I was me, my wife, and, and myself, you know, on about no mask on saying, hey, you know, if you don't want to wear a mask, don't wear a mask. This is what happens. And Facebook gave me a strike. And the strike though was because they said um they said that I um was spreading misinformation on COVID, which is interesting because anybody who remembers the post and saw the post, it was actually had like 1,200 reactions on it, knew that that post didn't have any information about COVID in it at all. It was literally me just being like, be a rebel, woo, you know? <laughs> so, um, but we got a strike for that. And, and so I started talking to some of my friends. I said, man, I got my first strike on Brood's page. Like this, that hasn't happened before. And they said, yeah, me too. I got a strike for the exact same thing, which makes me think that Facebook is going to have another, it's called a zuckening, uh, you know, where Facebook does a, a mass delete or expungement or hits a lot of people with, with hits here, um, specifically surrounding COVID issues. And I think it is because uh, we're having issues across the country with young people not wanting to get vaccinated. Uh, and, and we're going to talk about maybe why in a second here as we talk about our Baptist Health article. But of course, these that group of individuals spends a lot of time on Facebook. So of course, Facebook is probably getting some pressure from government entities saying, hey, can you do something about all this misinformation, quote unquote, um, on uh, Facebook, can you do something about this information that is scaring away uh, um, w- children from getting vaccinated because, you know, they're seeing the posts or things like that. And of course, you know, you can't hold a contrary belief to what they think. So they want you removed. So that way you can stop encouraging children to not get vaccinated. Though, as we've said many times, I do not want you to not get vaccinated. I do not want you to get vaccinated. I want you to be free to be free to make that decision uh, uh, without government force or coercion. And so and so today I'd posted about it. I'm going to post about a little bit more, but I encourage you, especially if you like this podcast, um, to follow us on Spotify. This podcast gets posted up there, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, all the podcast platforms. As well, go to YouTube. Our channel is Andrew Cooperwriter-Brood. Um, and also to follow us on Twitter. I'll be getting some probably like MeWe and, and things like that. I was on Parlor until it got shut down just because... I see a zuckening occurring. I'd love to be able to stay in contact with you guys and keep supporting and, and, and delivering as much as I can about Liberty. So please follow me on those other platforms so we can keep going. I guess I need a rumble too. Somebody said, um, there's probably, there's apparently there's like six different social media sites out there. I, um, am not going to get on all of them. I'll probably add a MeWe and a rumble and that's about it. Anyways, so Facebook strikes. So be aware, guys. Facebook's going to be coming for you guys. Facebook's going to be coming for you guys. But let's talk about this Baptist Health article that I touched on. It's one of the most alarming articles I've read in a long time. And it says a lot about how the medical industry is thinking about COVID. It's thinking about the vaccine. It's thinking about your health. So let's get into it. So it's from Baptist Health. Um, You can find it at baptisthealth.com. D- slash news slash 2021 slash vaccine dash effects dash on dash women's periods dash periods. Um, and so it talks about how the vaccine has some effect on women's periods. Um, and so I thought, well, that's kind of weird. I hadn't heard about this, but I guess, and women can let me know, but I guess um, it's going around that there's, there, uh, you get uh, vaccinated, you can have uh, a heavier flow or a longer flow. 
Um, as I'm told, like I said, I, I don't know too much about periods. But uh, let me read you the article here. It's titled, uh, There's No Reason to Put Off Getting Vaccinated If You're On Your Period. The COVID-19 vaccine has many normal side effects, including chills, fever, and muscle pain, which is so funny, right? I mean, we hear people like talking about those side effects all the time. It's so funny that they've hid inside their homes because they're worried about getting sick, and then they go and take a vaccine that gets them sick because they're worried. And, and I see them all the time be like, oh, man, uh, well, this sucks, but it sure is better than COVID. Like, how do you know? <laughs> you haven't had COVID. How do you know that that's worse or better than COVID? COVID is so not bad that you can have it and not know it, actually. So it's pretty extreme for you to be like, oh, this is terrible. It's not as bad as COVID. It's like, you don't know that. That's not science. Shut up with that. I'm sorry. I shouldn't say shut up. But that's not science. But anyways, we'll continue. Um, so according to the CDC and the American College of, of I guess, gynecologists, there's no reason to put off getting vaccinated if you're on your period. That said, many women have taken to social media to talk about how they're experiencing heavier than normal periods and other menstrual changes after getting vaccinated. So you say, okay, well, they're going to give us some very, very good uh, scientific information about it, right? So let's go down. Here's the first thing. Is there research on COVID-19 vaccine menstrual cycles? To date, not really. That's the words from the article. Is there research on COVID-19 vaccines and menstrual cycles? To date, not really. The CDC, <laughs> and then they wonder why people are like, I don't know if I should take this or not. They wonder why they got to overcome things. You're literally, I'm on a hospital's website that is telling me about how people are complaining about periods being longer and heavier. And you're like, oh, can that happen to me? Do, do I know? What's my risk? And you go to this hospital website and it's like, I don't know. I don't know what your risks are. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we'll continue on, okay? So this is to date, not really. The CDC has a vaccine adverse event reporting system, that's VAERS, which is a surveillance program that allows people to report any side effects. But given that anyone can submit anything to the system, the evidence is anecdotal at this point. Do some experts know why some women are experiencing heavier periods and other symptoms? That's one of their questions. The answer is for now, experts don't know for sure. Experts don't know for sure, which is nice. Okay. Um, they're trying to say, well, stress, it could be uh, coincidental. It could be, you know, a lot of things. I mean, even COVID supposedly caused these. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of things there. Uh, but, but basically, they don't know. And um, Let's let's go on to one of their next things here. It says uh, uh, under the the header, get the shot. It says, <laughs> well, not much known is about the effects of COVID-19 on vaccine on women's menstrual cycles. Experts agree that it shouldn't stop you from getting vaccinated. <laughs> Listen, we have no clue what this does to you, but we all agree you should still take it. <laughs> and they're like, I don't understand why people won't get vaccinated. And this is what I love, too. This is what I love too, okay? Um, I love how it says here, um, and, and, and verbatim here, it says, um, most importantly, don't panic. While not much is known about the COVID-19 vaccine and women's menstrual cycles, experts agree shouldn't stop you from getting vaccinated. If you have any questions, you can call them. And um, wow, hold on here, guys. 
Well, they removed this from the article, but I have screenshots. Um, let's see. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, they, they removed this from the article. Hold on one second. I'm sorry, guys, this is random. They have removed this from the article, but I have screenshots, and the reason why they've removed it from the article is because, I'm going to be honest, it's not that uh, good. Um, okay. It is not a good statement. Um, okay. The bottom line here it is. They removed it completely, but I got it. I got it here in the uh, screenshot for you guys. The bottom line, the possibility of any menstrual pattern disruption should not deter women from receiving this important bat vaccine. Said Dr. Stewart, this is not yet a large body of data on this issue, but with more young women receiving the vaccine, this will change. They had to remove that from their article <laughs> where they're admitting that they're hoping as more women get vaccinated, they'll find out what this vaccine does to women. Whoo! <laughs> Gosh, guys, and they think I'm the one spreading mis I'm the one getting Facebook strikes for misinformation. They literally had to delete things out of their article that I just caught because um, it literally is like, hey, yeah, you're all being researched on uh, about this vaccine. We're kind of just all researching about it. And so we are um, we're, we're double checking. We don't actually know um, what's going on with it. So we're just hoping you get it so we can find that out. Of course, that's terrible. So they removed it from their article, hiding it from you guys. But I have screenshots. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens there. So there you go. And maybe I'll post the screenshots here in a bit. Um, so that's alarming. And then they wonder why these young men and women won't go get vaccinated. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, um, well, maybe it's because when we ask you something simple like, does the vaccine disrupt my periods? Your response is, oh, get it and we'll find out together. <laughs> I mean, that's literally what they're saying. And keep in mind, guys, that according to the CDC, because they only count confirmed deaths, the state counts probable, there has only been three deaths under 30 in the entire state. So you have these women that are like, you know, I'm looking at those three deaths. I'm looking at their comorbidity factors. I'm a young, healthy woman. I don't think I need to get it. And they're sitting there saying, well, no, you should still get it. And they go, yeah, but I've heard it's been thrown out periods. And they're like, yeah, maybe. Maybe. Who knows? We'll, we'll, we'll work our way through it. We'll figure it out. Um, so, you know, <laughs> I don't know what that's all about. That's kind of weird to me. So <clears throat> anyways, moving on from that, we're going to talk about uh, uh, in, here in Kentucky, there's a Supreme Court case being heard uh, regarding a man's um, bail. So his, So this is an interesting story. So you have this man who uh, was arrested for child pornography. Okay. So he was arrested for, uh, child pornography. Now you're immediately going to jump to the conclusion that he's guilty. I encourage you guys don't do that. Remember innocent till proven guilty. Okay. All right. But this guy was arrested for child pornography and he, he, he was arrested and he was, he was then given a $15,000 bail and he could not get out of he couldn't pay the $15,000. So he's in jail for the entire 14 months. Now, during those 14 months, they searched all of his computers, everything else. 
and they found nothing on there, and they realized his internet was not password protected. His Wi-Fi was not uh, uh, protected by a password. So boys and girls, make sure your Wi-Fi is password protected. But his Wi-Fi was not password protected, and so they realized that there was, they, it could be anybody in his building that was, that was going after this child pornography and was just using his Wi-Fi to do it. But they held him in 14, uh, 14 days in, or sorry, 14 months in jail um, because he couldn't pay his bail. And of course, you know, he lost his job and his livelihood and everything else to be found not guilty. That's or not even not guilty, but to not even be charged at the end of the day for them to drop the charges uh, is pretty terrible. And, um, you know, I definitely think when we talk about reforming the justice system um, and and I think there needs to be some reform. And I think that's maybe where we look at some of the issues of reforming. I mean, you've got a guy who was charged with child pornography that at the end of the day, all they had was an IP address running off his Wi-Fi did it. And it, it, it took them 14 months to, for them to end up dropping the charges. Like, that's a problem, right? And that, and that guy should, should you know, I don't know, be compensated for his law of life. I mean, for you to end up doing that, right? I don't know. I don't know what the correct answer is um, on that issue. And, and that's not really what it's about because more importantly, he so he gets out of jail because he wasn't charged and he spent 14 months in jail. And then the jail sends him a bill for $4,000. So apparently in Kentucky, there's a statute that says if you're in jail, um, the jailers can charge you for their cost of jailing you. And you know what? I'm okay with that if they're found guilty. Um, I think there's no problem with that. If you're found guilty and they want to charge you and, and also to, you know, for, for being in jail, um, you know, I think, I think there's an argument there to say, you know, why should our tax dollars pay for you to be, uh, in jail when you're the one who committed the crime, right? I, there's definitely a huge argument there that I, I, you know, we can go down that rabbit hole some other time, but I in no way, shape or form could possibly agree with a man that got arrested, couldn't pay his bail, stuck in jail for 14 months that then doesn't even get charged with anything, should have to pay the jail $4,000 because of his 14 months he was in the jail when he wasn't even guilty. I, I don't know how you square that. And constitutionally, I have a lot of issues with that. Now, you guys know, sometimes to a fault, I am a very constitutional liberty guy, right? I'm a liberty constitutional individual, sometimes to a fault, to a fault. And so to that degree that I'm constitutional to a fault, I don't believe that somebody should be charged for going to jail if they're found, especially if they're found not guilty, not guilty, and or not even charges put against them. And I think that's incorrect and wrong. And apparently he took a district courts because it's already going to the Supreme Court and they ruled against him. And, you know, I think that's a lot of issue. I think that's an issue. And I think that plays into the general overall behavior we somewhat have when it comes to these constitutional rights. Um, you know, we have to remember our government needs to respect our constitutional rights. We need a culture that respects constitutional rights. And sometimes that means people are going to do things you don't agree with, but they have the right to do it. They're going to do things you don't like. They have the right to do it. And people who are maybe you think of as, as terrible individuals, even if he, he had done it and he got out on technicality, whatever. Importantly, you know, we have a justice system that is supposed to work. And, you know, like I said, we can talk about the Derek Chauvin issue because I don't know 
if I, I, I tried to make a post about this earlier and it, you know, people start getting upset. I, I don't think I expressed myself properly. I don't know if Chauvin is guilty or not. I did not pay enough attention to the case to know if he is guilty of anything. Okay. I don't know. I just didn't watch it. Don't get mad at me for saying, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. Based upon the basic stuff I saw and based upon the clips of testimony I heard and what I was hearing, um, I definitely think there's probably some reasonable doubt. I definitely think um, in a case like this with with this much different situations based on the things I heard probably should have taken longer than two days to talk about. Um, but one thing I do know for a fact, there is no way you can sit there and tell me that that jury wasn't tainted. And that's that's a problem I have. And that the gentleman, whether you like him or don't like him, uh, and George Floyd too, whether you think he was a criminal or not a criminal or whether you know his death should be dealt with or not dealt with, uh, regardless of how you feel on those issues, we have constitutional rights in this country that are not subjected to your opinion. And so uh, um, if, if, if it looked like you know George Floyd uh, uh, died and then it was something that possibly could be shoven, constitutionally speaking, he probably should at least stand trial like he did. However, once again, I don't think, constitutionally speaking, that was a fair trial at all, and that's kind of what I'll leave it at. I, I don't trust the verdict the jury came back with. They were driving through riots every single day in order to get to the... I don't know what that judge was thinking. That case should have been held several cities over. It should have been sequestered. It should have been closed to media. It should have been... Uh, that's the only way you could get a fair trial, I believe. Um, and there were some other issues, I'm told, by people I know in the legal thing. Basically, I don't think it was a fair trial. I don't think you can look at that and say it is. Regardless if you think he's guilty or not, he still deserves at least a fair trial. And I don't think that was, and I got a feeling it will be appealed and that appeal will be granted because there's a lot of issues there. Okay. So I, I just want to get that off, off of my, I guess my chest. Cause earlier I'd made a post about, I ended up deleting the post. Cause I'm like, I can't explain in so many words how I feel about the whole George Floyd, Derek Chauvin thing. And it's hard too, because, and, and this kind of goes into Liberty people and it goes into what, uh, um, the, the Herald leader ran an article saying with it on, on, with an article that the headline was, uh, black mothers are scared for their children because of cops. And, and here's one, um, the media is doing the same thing to black mothers that they're doing to COVID and they're making it sound like, um, it's a lot more endemic than it is. Like there's only a handful of these situations a year. That's why the George Floyd incident is such newsworthy because they, if, if these were happening every day and you actually had to be afraid for your children and yourself, if you were, were black, you wouldn't, it, this would be such a normal thing. It wouldn't even be news. The very fact that the entire country, other than apparently me, for a week watched this trial. I was fighting COVID lockdowns here in Kentucky, so I wasn't paying too much attention. But the very fact the entire country stopped and watched this trial for like two weeks, the very fact it was frontline news every day, the very fact I'm sitting here and talking about it and I couldn't escape talking about it because I politically pundit from time to time tells you this doesn't happen all the time. It is an irrational fear 
for you to be afraid of police just because you're black. Just like it's an irrational fear to be a 30-year-old human being that with no comorbidities to be walking around outside without a mask on and not have to worry about catching COVID. Okay, irrational fears are being fed by the media, and this is the media feeding it an irrational fear that is more destructive to, to society than me telling people not to wear a mask will ever be. Not that I was telling people not to wear a mask, I just tell them to stop listening to Andy because he's not God. But anyways, it's more destructive to society than I will ever be. You are breeding a, a type of, of activity between people that is crazy. Not to mention the fact that I, see, and this is where Liberty people kind of split. Liberty people split all the time when it comes to police. And where they split at is there's a chunk of Liberty people, especially if you go into the Libertarian Party itself, that hate police. They literally hate them. They think that the police um, are, are, you know, the people who, and, and, you know, I see their arguments. I don't agree with them, but I see their arguments saying, hey, police trample on constitutional rights all the time. I mean, you know, they, they, Sometimes they do. If they're not educated enough, they do, right? I think our police need better training. I think they need better education. I think here in, here in especially Lexington, I look at the stats, our police need to stop going out and, and quote unquote, I guess I would call it policing, right? They need to solve crimes. Give you an example. I know a lot of people think, well, more bodies on the street. Uh, police presence keeps down crime. My argument back would be the number one thing to keep down crime would be if you commit a crime, you get caught for it. Here in Lexington, only, only, 18% of theft is solved, and I think our police should spend more time solving things like theft and murder and rape and crimes to get that percentage of solve rate as high as we possibly can. They should spend more time responding to calls when they're called out, and then they would have more bodies to do it because they're not policing out there and pulling over people for going five over on News Circle, and I think um, that is personally, from my belief, I think we need to solve crimes better, and we need to fund and train our police better so they can do that and that is the answer that's my personal opinion however i hear a lot of liberty people all the time complain about the police and say they're terrible rotten people and keep in mind one they're just people and two keep in mind that one of our government our constitution was instituted to protect life liberty and property I argue to you, and I've heard your volunteerism, and I've heard your anarchism, and your belief of, of privatized police forces and everything else, and that's a different discussion. However, I challenge you to tell me that police aren't necessary to protect life, liberty, and property, That is that our government has been instituted to protect our rights too. Remember, our government was founded to protect us from life, liberty, and property. I believe police do have a place in doing that. That's just my personal belief. I know there's some nuance there and everything else. Hopefully, uh, I haven't ran anybody off by doing by saying that. Um, but you know, I think there's a lot of nuance to when it comes to those issues. I don't think it's black and white, and I think we all need to remember too. Until people are found guilty, they are innocent. Um, but on that same same topic of media scaring people and 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 racism conversation. Um, Recently, an article dropped saying the NAACP finds Fayette County public schools to be racist. So Fayette County public schools are, of course, the schools here in Lexington, for those of you listening elsewhere. And uh, once again, before I go into the story, I encourage you guys to share out the stream. Go ahead and hit the share button. Let them know I'm out here if you support what I said, but or maybe I ran you off. Who knows? Anyway, so the uh, NAACP thinks Fayette County public schools are racist. And they think they're racist because the, 
I guess as as I read the article that minorities are getting punished with suspension and things like that more often at an excise percentage to what their population is of the school compared to white kids. And that is the reason why. And rather than saying to themselves, well, hold on, is the rule the same? Okay. And it's the same across everyone, no matter their race. So if a, if a, if a white kid walks into class 10 minutes late, do they get the same punishment as a minority walking into class 10 minutes late. If they do, the rule, just because it affects minorities at a greater rate, doesn't necessarily mean the rule itself is racist. I, I, when I look at data, when I look at stats, I do not believe causation and correlation are necessarily connected, right? So just because we're seeing uh, more minority students being um, uh, outshining their percentages as far as punishments go does not mean that be that must mean the punishments are racist right i believe quite simply that there's some underlying factors here and and i think this is what's important to the racism discussion and and i'll kind of give you my feelings about it i believe that racism did exist systematically like in the 50s and 60s and i think if you think it didn't you're wrong it did it just did there was redlining there are Jim Crow laws. There's all these laws that were terrible, no good, rotten laws. The problem is, is, is those echoes of those laws are being felt today. None of us are racist. The systems today, I do not believe, are racist. Um, but we're feeling echoes from that. And this is what I mean. The redlining in those policies that were back in the 50s and 60s have made it to where minorities are more so in inner cities, Right. And then as well, the welfare system coupled with the inner cities targeting, coupled with the lack of jobs in inner cities, has led us to a point that the number of children who are minorities that do not have a mother and father in the home are much higher in in than they are amongst uh white people, just being honest, uh in the in the city. You see it higher. Now, what you what's funny is when you look at uh, white people out in poor white Appalachia, you see the same, and all of us know this here in Kentucky, you see the exact same percentages of everything you see for poor minorities. It's the same. And the deal, and it comes down to not having family units. And, it, and it's real simple. I mean, you know, if you have a, a mother and a father in a home, you, the kid just has more time to work with someone, right? I'm married. I have a child. And when my wife is busy doing something, I'm helping my son with his homework. I'm helping him get through things. I'm spending time with him. Vice versa, if I'm cooking dinner, um, I cook most of the time. But anyways, if I'm cooking dinner, if I'm out at a meeting, if I'm doing this podcast, my wife is able to be with my son and spend time with him. It's just simple if you and I'm saying this as somebody who has been a single parent so I understand it is simply easier to be married and have children it just is and it means your children are getting watched more often that does not mean if you're a single parent it's a problem it just means that that happens and so if we really want to make real change instead of the the things that they're offering here in the Fayette County Public Schools what the NAACP has offered Fayette County Public Schools is to um, go through and, and get a, a, a 
outside consultant, which I'm sure is definitely not somebody the NAACP has has pushed towards them that has donated toward them, right? <laughs> but they're they're saying, hey, get this outside consultant to come in, go on this tour, talk to the community, and figure out how to make a, a system that is more equitable, the system that is better. So of course they're saying it's the school's fault for having rules that just happen to affect minorities at a greater rate. They're not saying what is going on with the minorities uh, that are being affected, which treat them as individuals, not as groups of a race, but they're an individual who has individual concerns. So let's treat them as individuals and the minute we start treating them as individuals, we start to look at real changes that can really work. For an example, okay, maybe what we need to do is offer some different school programs, after school programs perhaps, or something like that, um, that can make sure these children are not going home to an empty house, right? Is there a program that can make sure these kids are showing up to school because their mother or father go off to school and they, they sometimes don't have a guarantee that the kid got on the bus. I mean, that happens. It doesn't make you a bad parent because you're a single parent. You have to work. You work at 6 a.m., 7 a.m. Your kid's supposed to be in at school at 7.30. So you leave at 6.30 to go to work and say, make sure you get on the bus. The kid doesn't get on the bus. What are you to do about it? I mean, especially if you work somewhere like, I don't know, Amazon, a factory floor, something like that. You can't have your phone on you. You don't find out your kid didn't go to school until like min until noon, one o'clock, right? This isn't because of your race. It's just because of your situation. So if we can look at that individual and say, you're an individual, you have a unique individual circumstance. Let's take a look at all these individuals who we see that are getting in trouble more. Let's see what's going on with them. Not that we need to change the rule, but let's see what's going on with them as individuals. Let's see where they correlate and say, okay, these individuals, white, black, uh, Hispanic, Asian, doesn't matter. They all intersect that they don't have, oh, look at that. Everyone who has a problem with tardiness has a one-parent household that has an issue that they got to work early. Okay, so now we can actually address that issue. We don't need to change the rules for them. We don't need to make it more equitable. We don't need to give them the soft bigotry of saying, I can't expect you to show up to school on time because of the color of your skin, which is racist as all get out. What we can do is recognize that there are echoes from maybe prior racist policies from back in the 50s and 60s and, and welfare policies that have created a single parent household crisis in both our 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 city and our state and all across this country and then we can address that issue but instead we want to look at the schools and say they're racist now and it doesn't solve the problem for anyone let's remove race out of it and let's start trying to solve the problem that way you know what i don't care what the race of that child is I care that the child, for whatever reason, is not being properly served by the schools because they're having an issue showing up to school. I care that the, the school hasn't been incentivized enough to figure out a way to keep the kid in the classroom. I'm a big pusher for school choice. You guys all know this, or hopefully you do. 
This is an excellent opportunity where school choice would help solve this issue because school choice, they have a profit incentive to get that kid in the classroom to the point that they might even go out and make sure the kid's showing up to class. Oh, he didn't show up? Let's go get him. We'll go knocking on the door. Come on out, man. Let's get to school. <laughs> right? They have an incentive to do it. Oh, you're, 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 they're having an issue with their behavior after school? Okay, well, let's take a look. Oh, look, the parent works, and there's nobody around to make sure the kid's okay. And it's once again, this is not the parent's fault. What do you want the parent to do, not work? You want them to go live off welfare and live off government uh, handouts? No, we don't want that either. So we can't punish and, and get mad at the parent just because they got to work. They should work. And this is where we are failing because we can't remove race out of it. To look at these people as individuals and figure out what do they need as individuals to succeed. And a school system that isn't controlled by the teachers unions and isn't controlled by special interests and isn't controlled by over and over again people that are worried about how am I going to get reelected as the school board guy next time but instead can be handled by individuals who have an incentive to ensure that student learns and has their butt in the seat each day and that the parent is satisfied with the job the school is doing or it will lose its incentives. Perhaps if that's the setup, we might see a difference. We might just see one. Now I know that I, I don't often talk about race and I don't talk often about these things, but when a lot of things come together, with the NAACP article coming out about Fayette County Public Schools, we have, of course, the Chauvin case, and we have, of course, Harold Leader running articles about black mothers scared for their children. And I just felt it was worth approaching that we just need to st start looking at people as individuals, not forgetting that they all have constitutional rights that need to be uh, uh, properly looked at. No matter who they are, they have value under the Constitution. And they have the same constitutional rights all of us do. And at the same time, ensuring and looking at them as individuals and saying, how do we solve this problem for this individual? And what's a great way, too, we can do it for without government getting involved, right? So, I don't know. That's what I got for you guys. Thank you for joining me for this episode of Fresh Brewed Kentucky Politics. Once again, please come into the coffee shop. Get yourself a nice cup of coffee. Uh, you can check us out on the podcast uh, um, Fresh Brewed Kentucky Politics. Uh, that's on Spotify, Apple, all those things. You can also check us out on YouTube, Andrew Cooperwriter Brood. Uh, as well, you can also uh, buy online broodco.com. You can donate, donate.broodco.com. Uh, thank you guys so much for joining me. I certainly appreciate it.